Hello everyone, welcome to part two. Hope you all enjoy. Ventura filed a lawsuit in January of 2012 against Kyle for charges of defamation, appropriation, and unjust enrichment. After Kyle was killed the following year, the lawsuit was transferred to Kyle's estate. When all that shit went down with Chris Kyle, and the fa- when he said that he punched you in a bar, yep. and you, you sued the family. Like No, I didn't. Well, I didn't shoot the sued, family. You sued him, rather. Excuse me. I sued him, and he died, and then the suit automatically goes to his estate. That's right. the way the legal works. She was never in any jeopardy because in any writer's contract, you have insurance from the publisher. So it's me. They portrayed it, and I became the villain going after the widow and the kids. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest lie. It was a big insurance company that's covering the whole thing. They're not out a penny, and they but, won't be out a penny. But you had to explain that, I'm sure, over and over no, again. No, I couldn't in explain interviews. it. The, the, the trial got overturned because the insurance came out. So it's okay to lie in court, but if the truth comes out, you can get a new trial. The insurance came out, what does that mean? In court. You're not allowed to say that insurance is paying for everything, even though it's the truth. You're not allowed to say that in court. So what happens when you say it in court? Well, it came out and the judge allowed it to a limited degree. And then the appeals court ruled that the judge shouldn't have did that. Because having the judge say that, it sways people well, to they, be they more think inclined that if it's, to yeah. rule against the insurance company. Yeah. Because the insurance company yeah. is a big even Even though the other side is doing what's called poor mouthing. They're getting up and saying it's taxing them financially and lying. The oh, truth is, okay. insurance is paying for all of it. Don't get up and lie about it. So the other side was saying this is going to devastate our family. Oh, yeah. But in reality, they were Oh, yeah. yeah. Trying to influence the... And, and in this case, let me state this. How overwhelming must the evidence have been for the jury to go against the grieving widow of the dead war veteran? Yeah, must be pretty overwhelming. The, the, the evidence was overwhelming. The, the the jury went from they came for me. They said he was lied. This didn't happen, and we're awarding. Why do you think he did that? Did you know him? No, you didn't know him. No, he, I mean I didn't know even who he was until the thing happened. We were there he, on the same nights. We were at McPee's because I was there for a graduation of class 258. I'm class 58. It's traditionally every hundred classes, if you can, you come back to the graduation. So class 258 was graduating the next day on Friday. I came out along with my teammates from class 58 to attend that graduation the next day. So why would I say bad things about the SEALs if I'm there? That's what he said he punched me for. Well, tell, because for I, people I, don't know what we're talking about, because probably a lot of people listening to this have no idea what we're talking about. So let me just fill them in real quick. All right. The the book, American Sniper, the movie with uh, Bradley Cooper, was just giant hit movie, very patriotic movie about a guy who was one of the most successful snipers in U.S. history, right? Uh, very successful warrior, Navy SEAL, war hero. Everybody loved him. Then he goes on the Opie and Anthony show. And he says that he punched you out. In well, a there's bar. a chapter in his book yes. where he writes that he called me scruff face. Yeah. And he said that I said seals deserve to die. That, in other words, he accused me of treason. Yes. And I was out there for a seal graduation. If I felt that way about my old unit, 
Why would I be attending? So he wrote in the book, he gave you a nickname in the book. Scruff face. Well, whoever, I mean, he might not have even, when he wrote it in the book, he might not have even thought that he was going to give that to you. I mean, who knows what was going on? My thought was, at the time, I was trying to wrap my head around why anybody would do this. Um, and I was thinking, well, maybe he's just trying to generate as much controversy as possible, to generate as much income as possible from his book, and it just got out of hand. I don't. I mean, I'm tr I was trying to put it together because there was a couple other fabrications, right? There was a, um, a, a shooting at a gas station he that never took place. Yep, and and he said that he during Katrina he was on the yes. dome and shot people who were looting. Yeah, that was disturbing and because that's he, murder. Uh, yeah, and he also lied about his medals. The Navy had to come out and correct. He said he had two silver stars and five bronze stars. He had one silver star and three bronze stars. So he lied about three medals. Well, that's. It's that, see, that, one in three is impressive enough. I mean, exactly. Why, yeah. Exactly. And then they try to give him an excuse saying, well, he was confused. No, you're not. When you get a medal like that, it's like graduating from college. They give you a certificate that puts on your wall if you win the bronze star or the silver star. But as a, as a seal yourself... And he threw as, me under the bus. What does that feel like to you? Because Treason. This, but this is, I mean, obviously, this is something that's very near and dear to your heart. H hugely. He has made it to where I can't go to a reunion anymore. There were 170 SEALs that wanted me kicked out of the UDT SEAL Association over his lie. And the lies of his buddies who came up and tried to testify for him. So what did it his, got embarrassing his in the trial. Said that it actually happened. No, they couldn't say it, but they tried to say everything else to make it seem like it did. Well, how the hell did they do that? Well, because they dance around the questions and the lawyering, and well, you have uh, to piece together. There wasn't one witness that saw me get hit, and there wasn't one witness that heard me say anything he attributed to me. And weren't you visible the next day? There yeah, we. Pictures. No we have photographs that night, them posing for pictures with me. If I had said all this stuff, why would they have take pictures with me? What does that feel like when someone just fucking lies? Horrible. And and what and makes lies it, about a terrible, well, terrible and, thing. And what's worse about it is the media jumps on it and convicts me of it because why? They broke the story when I went off the grid in Mexico where I couldn't even come back. So they broke the story. Do you think they knew? That I'm you were starting off the grid? to believe it. But weren't? But didn't it happen on the Opie and Anthony show? Yeah. But I don't think that was planned because I know those guys. They yeah, but the, but was the whole? Well, they also did it. He did it that day on O'Reilly later that afternoon. So he once he named you, he just started naming you everywhere. Oh yeah. Then he then it went viral. <sighs> it went viral, and everyone convicted me. Because they said, well, this Iraq war veteran wouldn't lie. Really? I just, I watched. Uh, it rather, well, let me tell you, I'll bet it's destroyed my life. I can't get hired for a job. During my trial, after it was over, guess what happened? 34 major media conglomerates entered the the the, uh, the trial with that amacy, they call it or whatever, of, of influencing the Court of Appeals to overturn my verdict, and they did it. 34 media conglomerates, the Why? New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these media conglomerates appealed to the Court of Appeals to overturn my verdict. But why? Because I won on th something called unjust enrichment. They want the ability to be able to defame you and profit from it. 
In other words, I'll put it what they had, what these judges accommodated them with. Uh, there's going to be another trial. They've ordered a new trial. Oh, God. So I got to go through it again. But I'm glad because when it comes out two juries and two judges find Kyle guilty, who's not going to believe it then? And But the point is they, they've ordered a new trial. They've, they, dis, they threw out the whole verdict of the jury, the federal judge who wrote substantial evidence supporting the jury's verdict. They did all that, and they violated their own rules. A 76-year rule. Here's what it states. If, because it happened during summation, where the judge allowed it in, the my attorney, it, it ended up four questions in an 11-day trial and a half a page of a 20-page summary, and it was overturned on that. And they overturned it because they felt it was undue influence on the jury that they found out that insurance was paying for everything. That's so it? it was perfectly, Just that one factor? Well, and here's the deal. If the rules state that if in final argument they say something, you must object. You must object so the trial lawyer has a chance to rule during final argument and the jury has a chance to hear the ruling. They never objected. So when, they must in- object to undue influence because of the fact that it was... Now, they, I don't wait, they never Wait, they never objected. The jury was dismissed at 11.58. At 12.02, they then objected. The judge overruled them, and we were done with it. Well, these two judges, Riley and Shepard, have now overturned the case on something that was never objected to in trial. They objected to it, so they overturned the jury and the federal judge. Then they also overturned my unjust enrichment claim because the media didn't want it. What they've allowed now is the media can defame you and profit from it, and you can't get any of their profits, no matter how they harm you. Well, that's the equivalent of if you went out and robbed the bank and they caught you, and they sentence you to two years in prison for the bank robbery, but when you get out, you get to keep all the money you took. So that's in this they, particular case. Lo- yes, You're talking about this particular which case. Which will now be the standard, because they've insane. ruled that way. They now make it to where you can profit from wrongdoing. Because of this case. Yep. You, this, you, is a, this is such a touchy case, because it's so indicative of the complications of people. Because people are not simple. It's really very, not touchy. Very, he well, lied. He did lie. but And, and he but harmed me with his lie. That, but that's not what I'm saying. What's complicated is he's also the subject of this gigantic movie and this symbol of patriotism where so many people will say, Chris Kyle, rest in peace. So many people would have uh, – I, I saw a cloud that was uh, – someone took a photo in the cloud. That's not a cloud. That's uh, Chris – Chris Kyle, it looked like a sniper in the cl- in this. It's Chris Kyle guiding, uh, guarding the skies. Like it became a meme. I mean, he became this thing where it wasn't. You know, he was a representative of the the brave military, like the the portrayal. But hold on a second, the portrayal that Bradley Cooper played in that movie. That movie was so simplistic and so it was. It was like right well, out of a Joseph Campbell okay, movie. Let like me the add perfect this. hero's journey. Had, had I not gone to court, that would have been in the movie. Really? I had to stop it. 
they were going to have him punch you in the movie. Have well, you certainly say it's in the book. Holy shit. And I had to stop it. Holy because shit. no, when we were when we were in trial, you know what they tried to do to diminish my role cuz when they knew they were going to lose, their lawyer got me on the stand and he said, "Mr. Ventura, he said, "Would it surprise you to know that the first uh, uh, draft of the movie doesn't have you in it, trying to prove how insignificant my part of the book. Why would you say the, the first draft of the movie? That of, doesn't of, mean shit. Well, the first draft yeah, of the script. The se- yeah, but so what if the second draft hold, has you in it? it though. I said, here's my response. I said, no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Because I said, we've sent two letters to Warner Brothers warning them that if I'm indeed in, in this movie, they will be next to be sued. So we put Warner Brothers on notice that if this chapter's included in your movie, you will get sued next. And you know people out here, they don't want to step into a lawsuit. That's the only thing that kept me from being punched out in that movie and portrayed me as a villain in that frickin' movie. And I've never a, seen the movie. Not just a villain, way more than a villain. Yeah. Right? I mean, that is insane. It is insane because what's, what's crazy to me and what's complicated about this is that there are thousands and thousands of brave men and women who have risked their lives, sacrificed their lives, and this guy becomes this this figurehead wait, wait, and where wait, he wait. he rises In, above including me including you yes very important but he rises above all this and becomes this icon op- figure yes this iconic figure that you can't tarnish and then truth is irrelevant and they're willing to sacrifice people like you and the truth just for this overall image of patriotism yep it's crazy. What a crazy place that must have been for you. Still is. In fact, do you know that this person that I told you about with the seizures, the seizure disorder started right after this. Oh, I'm sure. And the seizures must doc- have been doctors overwhelming. Have, doctors have said seizures can be caused by stress. So I hold Chris Kyle directly responsible for the seizure disorder also that I had to face, that marijuana cured. Did you ever communicate with him face-to-face? Only once at the first, uh, when we first, in June, I didn't even know who he was. And then at, <sighs> in June of 2012, after the book came out in January, uh, we had a settlement conference where he kept saying that if he met me in person, we could work it out. So at this conference, we agreed I would meet him in a room, the judge in the corner, and just he and I, like you and I are here. We sat down in the room, and I looked him right in the face, and I said, why did you do this? You never punched me. He looked me back and said, yes, I did. I turned to the judge. I said, there's no need to go any farther. I said, if he's not going to admit it didn't happen face-to-face, one-on-one, and I challenge his courage. Because, yeah, he had the courage to go to Iraq. He had the courage to shoot all these people, but he didn't have the courage to tell the truth, did he? What a bizarre moment that must have been, sitting across from that guy. Yeah, and he looked at me and said, yes, I did. What was the look in his face? I believe, and I'm not a doctor, but I've done some studying. I think he was a sociopath. Sociopaths can lie and hold a straight face, and they lie to the point where they believe their own lie. How bizarre is it that this iconic figure... Well, and then look how he died. Yeah. Well, he had no training in post-traumatic stress. He's not medical, and yet he's taking this Marine to a gun range? 
who's suffering from post-traumatic stress, wouldn't common sense tell you not to put a weapon in the hands of someone suffering from post-traumatic stress? Well, I think every what guy do you do? suffering tell him from to post-traumatic man up? stress is what different, do, right? Well, what do they tell him? To man up? Why would you put a weapon in somebody's hands who's suffering from post-traumatic stress when you have no medical training? How is Kyle qualified to treat this guy? Well, I would assume it would be based on his own post-traumatic stress. But he didn't have it. He didn't have it at all. No? He was never treated for it. He may have had it. Maybe that's why he did what he did. I don't know. God, what a crazy place to be. But but the for me it's like I've been accused of something I didn't do. I don't even know the guy. Never I may have met him that night briefly. Well, Maybe. let me tell you something. I, I obviously didn't get uh, one one millionth of a percent of the amount of hate that you did. But just reading I got read off f- September 11th of this year. I was in New York doing this book tour, and I got read off in a hotel lobby over this. What does that mean, read off? A guy yelled and screamed at me in front of the entire hotel lobby. Jesus Christ. That's what I live with now. And I haven't been damaged. My reputation isn't damaged over something I never did. What I was going to say is I obviously haven't experienced one one millionth of the hate that you have. But I read we read this article on the air. We were trying to figure out what happened when your case was going on. And so we read this article that was I don't know. It was in the New York Times. See if you could find the article detailing all the various lies. Oh, that's that the New Yorker proven. magazine. The New Yorker. Yeah. New Yorker. They did an it's investigation stunning. of him. But it's stunning. And just reading that, the the fucking amount of hate tweets and Facebook tweets and you fucking coward and you this and you that. I'm like, hey, I didn't write it. Okay? I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And yeah. if someone puts something like that in the New Yorker with verified claims, I mean, everything's verified. Like yep. what, what they were saying that he said and what actually had happened was all verified. Yep. It's very, very, very confusing that somehow or another this slipped through the cracks and that this became their iconic figure. Again, not discounting, along with you, the thousands and thousands of patriotic Americans that risked their lives. And to- he is, too. Nobody's denying right. he wasn't a great sniper. Nobody's denying he didn't do his job. I've never denied that from him or said that about him. He, he may be the best. I don't know. I'll still put my money on Carlos Hathcock, though, the Marine, <laughs> as being the best sniper. Well, especially now. But, uh, but uh, he, he did his job, and he did it well. But why did he have to take an old veteran? That would be like me taking a World War II guy and throwing him under the bus. Why the fuck would he choose you? Because I had fame. He, I think he got jealous that night we were at the bar because everyone crowded around and wanted their picture with me. Wow. I don't know. He'll never be around to answer it. I'd love to know why he picked out me. I think because I'm probably the most famous, maybe, or I developed to be the most famous SEAL other than Dick Marsenko, the Rogue Warrior. Great you books. Know. Yeah. I've read his books. Well, amazing. Uh, he's a friend of mine, Richard Marsenko. When, and, you, uh, when you sat down and you're talking to this guy, how, how much time were you actually in the room with him? Oh, couple of minutes was all the minute the minute he looked me in the eye and said i sure did hit you i turned to the judge and said we got nothing more to talk about you didn't want to i i was even i even offered him i said if you will walk out to me with the press 
and admit you fabricated this story, I will forgive you in front of the press and we will go on with our lives. He would not do it. He did not have the courage to stand up and tell the truth. It takes a lot of courage to admit you lied about something that massive. I mean, this isn't lying about speeding, right? This is this is a massive, but massive lie. But what about ruining my life, ruining my reputation, ruining my wife's life? Ru- I lost my conspiracy theory show because of it. Really? I can't get hired. Right now, I can't get a job. My last job was on the internet at Aura TV because the owner's Carlos Slim from Mexico. From that, you know who I'm hired? You know who I work for now? The Russians. Russian TV RTs, the only people that'll hire me because 34 media conglomerates entered this case to overturn me. You think they're going to hire me? Now explain that. Why do you think they did that? Do you think they did that because if they overturn your case, if they can somehow or another... Because they don't want to have to fact check. But is that it? Or is that discrediting you? Like that was a gigantic hit movie. But if if they can discredit you, it makes that movie still valuable. Not only that, it stops me from running for president, don't it, if they can discredit me. On July 29th of 2014, the jury returned a recommendation of 8-2 to two that Kyle was liable to venture for defamation and unjust enrichment, but not appropriation. The jury concluded the Kyle estate owed Ventura $500,000 for defamation and $1.34 million for unjust enrichment. The district judge who rendered the final judgment said there was substantial evidence that supported the jury verdict. Kyle's widow appealed the verdict on behalf of Kyle's estate. Attorneys for Kyle's estate asked the appeals court to throw out the verdict or at least order a new trial because a lawyer for Ventura told jurors that the 1.8 million judgment would be paid for by Carl's book publisher's insurance policy, not his estate. In June of 2016, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit threw out the $1.8 million in part due to the revelation of a non-relevant insurance policy by Ventura's attorneys to the jury. The $1.35 million in unjust enrichment was overturned and dismissed as being inconsistent with Minnesota law. The $500,000 defamation suit was remanded back to trial. In December 2017, the case was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. Former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura says he can now move on with his life after settling a lawsuit with a former Navy SEAL that he calls the American Liar. Ventura was suing the estate of American Sniper author Chris Kyle. He says that Kyle told him a story about him in a book that was a lie and that Kyle profited from that. WCCO's Jeff Wagner shows us why Ventura feels vindicated and ready for a new start. I'm smiling. Does that... Everyone see the smile? That ear-to-ear grin represents what Jesse Ventura feels is a somewhat happy ending to a five-year ordeal which he says began with a lie. This was fake news, people, and this was fake news at its finest. In 2012, former Navy SEAL Chris Kyle released a memoir titled American Sniper, detailing his deadly and distinguished years in the military. It also included a story where he punched a man who said derogatory remarks about the SEALs in 2006. Personal story segment tonight. Kyle later identified that man as Ventura. Now you don't mention his name, but everybody knows who that is. Number one, that, that happened? You knocked him out? Yeah. Well, I knocked him down. Knocked him down. The former governor says it never happened and filed a defamation lawsuit in 2012. Ventura won the case and was awarded nearly $2 million, but another court overturned the decision. A second trial was in the works until both sides reached a settlement. You don't pay if you're innocent. 
you go to court. That's what I did. And if you're the other side and you do pay, that tells you who's a, who, who is telling the truth right there. Despite his victory, Ventura says Kyle's story and the process of vindicating himself damaged his reputation. To me, the truth meant more than money. My reputation meant more than money. He added that the book's publisher, HarperCollins, never apologized. I'll end by just saying my apology is in the bank. We reached out to HarperCollins. A representative told us they have no comment on this matter. Ventura says the settlement details are confidential. He added, though, that now he's been vindicated, a return to politics is possible. Oh, my. All right. Well, stay tuned. He's yes. never boring. Thank you, Jeff. Chris Kyle, um, yep. deadliest sniper in American history, author of American Sniper, the best-selling book, which is became... He, uh, is he movie. the deadliest sniper in American history? Okay, well, that's how he's regarded. No, um, no, that's what he alleges. Okay. Um, I don't know if he is or not, but he wrote a chapter on me that's a complete fabricated lie. So he, to give that context, you know, said in the book that he punched, you know, somebody at a bar, later said publicly that person was you. What was your reaction when you first heard that? Well, I was in Mexico off the grid, so I couldn't react to it. I heard about it from an email from my son, and I had to contact Alex Jones, my friend in Texas, to defend me. I was out of the country. Timing was perfect on it, wasn't it? Right after I left the country, so I couldn't defend myself. The story is a complete fabricated lie. I did what you're supposed to do. Go to court, put people under oath, and prove it. We proved it. In court, the jury ruled for me, and I haven't made a nickel of this. And the estate of Chris Kyle hasn't paid a cent. Insurance company pays for all of it. Uh -huh. So when the media portrays me as going after a widow and her children, that's a lie. I sued Chris Kyle. He died. It automatically goes to his estate then, the lawsuit. She chose to be the executor. She hadn't had to pay a cent. All paid by an insurance company. Was there any communication between when Kyle initially made the public comments um, and when you filed the lawsuit no. between the two of you? No. I didn't even know him. My first recollection of Chris Kyle was June of 2012 at the first settlement hearing. What happened there? Uh, he had made a statement that if we met together that we could solve the whole thing, so the courts allowed us to meet in a room together one-on-one. -on -one. And I looked at him and I said, how can you say you hit me? You never hit me. And he said, yes, I did. I turned to the judge. I said, we're done right now. I said, if this guy's not going to admit it never happened, then what's the point? I offered to him. I said, if you'll go out to, with me to the media, admit you fabricated the story, I will forgive you and we'll go our separate ways. He wouldn't do it. He didn't have the honor. He didn't have this hero from the war, didn't have the courage to tell the truth. And he's not a hero. You know why? He's a backstabbing liar. He hoard the trident for money and fame. He took an old timer like me and threw me under the bus so he could get money. And the, the point is, he's not a hero. You know why he's not a hero? What? Because heroes have to have honor. You have to have honor to be a hero. A liar has no honor. Follow me? Why do you think there were several other SEALs that backed up his story? They didn't. 
If you come to the trial, there wasn't one witness that heard me say what they said on the stand. There wasn't one witness on the stand who said they saw him hit me. All they were doing was relaying hearsay from their buddy. Remember, if you'll die for someone, you'll lie for them. When you two had that meeting, um, the attempted uh, settlement meeting, what do you think his goal was with it? To be rich and famous. He had to take the most, I guess, the highest profile member of the community and throw him under the bus. Because his book went, you know what the pre-sale was of that book? 4,000. When he went on opening Anthony and O'Reilly and told that lie, it jumped 100,000 in one day. One day. Even the book company, HarperCollins, admitted it was a niche book. All of a sudden, it's, I was the catalyst. It was like a jet or a, a rocket going into space. You have to have a booster. A booster that gets you to space, and then once you're in space, you can orbit. I was the booster rocket. Famous Navy SEAL who authored Lone Survivor, which has also become a movie when this was all going on, posted a picture of you with the caption, hit me, I won't fight back, I'll just wait for you to die and sue your wife. Who wrote What's that? The uh, author of Lone Survivor. Really? Another... The guy who I secured from Hell Week? I'm in his book, you know. I was the first civilian they allowed to secure Hell Week. He wrote that about me, huh? That's despicable on his part. Because I, ne I sued Chris Kyle for lying. See, doesn't the lie mean anything? And he's assuming I got hit. I didn't. Didn't I prove it in court? How much did the backlash get to you? A lot. I can never, I, I don't care to say I'm a SEAL anymore. Uh, I won't go to a reunion ever again. Uh, I'm going, I'm, uh, it's hurt a great deal because uh, I used to always go to reunions. I used to contribute money. None of that will all stop now because nobody from the community has come forward to support me, and I'm an innocent victim. And it's it would be the equivalent of me throwing a WW2 frogman under the bus. This Iraq guy throws a Vietnam guy under the bus. Really, that's what the guy that wrote Lone Survivor said about me? He should be ashamed of himself. What do you think the likelihood is of being able to repair everything to make amends with the kind of SEAL brotherhood? Never. Well, the SEALs like to pride themselves that they've never left a body behind. They have now me. I was left behind now. I'm a POW SEAL who was left behind and they did nothing to recover me. That's how I feel about it. That's how betrayed I feel. You sued Chris Kyle's estate. Well, him first. Him first, And then it automatically right. reverts to the estate on his tragic death, yeah. Right. And so uh, American Sniper, and I've had uh, a lot of choice words to say about him, uh, and so people get mad at me uh, for, oh, he's a hero. Yeah, okay, he served. Uh, Jesse, you ever served with anyone that uh, didn't tell the truth before? 
Oh, my guess is there's a decent number of people that are human beings that serve in the who Navy, don't tell in, the truth. In the Navy, it's called sea stories. They yeah. have a term for it. Yeah. It's very well known in the Navy. It's yeah. called a sea story. Yeah. So having nothing to do with your lawsuit, uh, I just, Chris Kyle was not sitting on top of the Superdome shooting random people in the middle of Hurricane Katrina. Of course he wasn't. That's an obvious, obvious lie, right? So there's so many things not he to says. Him. Yeah. So you sued him because he lied about you. Yeah. Okay, that's what the law is it, there for. It never happened, and it literally destroyed my public career. Mm -hmm. Because I was off the grid at the time the story broke, living off the grid in Mexico. I couldn't defend myself. All I could do was uh, Skype my attorney and bring a lawsuit immediately to stop it. And then I didn't return until May. And... Uh, by then, the damage had all been done. I lost my television show over it, Conspiracy Theory, mm -hmm. over that. I uh, could not get any employment in the United States because of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a pariah for okay. defending myself. And, and uh, all the time, they portrayed it that I would, after he died, that I was going after the widow and the children, which wasn't true. Because anyone that's written a book in the contract, any lawsuits are handled by the publishing company. And they have insurance. And they have their lawyers to handle that. So the family was never in jeopardy of losing anything. And I wasn't out for money. I was out to clear my name. And he wouldn't do it when I met him face to face. He did, for all the courage he had, he didn't have the courage to tell the truth. So he had said that you guys, you had started a fight with him? No, he said that we, that what happened was we were both, we were there together. Mm -hmm. That event occurred. I was there because in the tradition of the UDT SEAL community, when every hundred classes, I'm class 58, mm -hmm. well, I came to the graduation of class 158, that was back in about the year... 1990, roughly, mm -hmm. I think. And this was now going to be the graduation of class 258 tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I flew out to San Diego to attend their graduation. So McPease is the watering hole for all the seals in Coronado. So the night before I went there, I met friends there. We sat at a table. Well, Kyle and his group were there also. They were there in a wake for one of their comrades who was killed in the Iraq war. Mm -hmm. And they were there for a completely different reason than we were. And they also had an $1,100 drinking budget mm -hmm. that they were drink. They drank their bill that night was 1100 bucks mm -hmm. for the Kyle group. Mm -hmm. Do you think they were intoxicated? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so what My did he say My group was not. Nothing happened. I took pictures with people. The, 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 nothing occurred. The next day, I went to the graduation. The graduation happened. The following day, we had a get-together Saturday on the beach of my class of classmates from old. Uh -huh. And I went home. Never occurred to me. And then in the year 2012, this book comes out where he alleges that I said Navy SEALs deserve to die and lose a few. Now, why would I say that about my own unit? Mm -hmm. Why would, if I believe that, why would I be there honoring a graduating class? 
makes mm-hmm. no sense. He then said that I bowed up to fight him and that he decked me, knocked me down, and then ran so he mm-hmm. wouldn't get caught. Mm-hmm. Well, in the trial, no one testified they saw me get hit. Not mm-hmm. even his buddies could say it. Mm-hmm. Nobody testified that I said anything like that, that they heard me do that. That's why you won. <laughs> That's why. And think of that for a moment. He's now gone, and the trial automatically goes to his estate to clear my name. How overwhelming must the evidence have been for the jury to have sided with me over the widow of the dead war veteran? But they did. And, and the jury didn't know that the insurance was paying for it. They thought it's coming out of the estate, and they sided with you anyway. No, that, yeah, but they did learn that because the federal judge allowed it in at mm-hmm. the end of the trial because why? They did what was called poor-mouthing, which is an exception. Normally, they don't allow the jury to know mm-hmm. that insurance is involved. But if the other side poor-mouths, if they get on the stand and say, oh, this is strapping me financially, when it's not, that's mm-hmm. what they did. Mm-hmm. They led the jury to believe that I was hurting the family to lower so they'd win the case. Right. Well, then the, fi- the judge still wouldn't let it in because we appealed to him. They're poor-mouthing. Uh-huh. Wouldn't still let it in. Finally, two people from Harper Collins, the book company, came to testify to diminish my role in mm-hmm. the book, mm-hmm. right? To, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. get a big award. Well, at that point, they're the ones providing the insurance. At that point, the federal judge ruled it can come in limited now. That's too big of a conflict of interest. Right. When they're the ones providing the insurance and they're here testifying to maybe change or lower the award. So it, what happened? It was four questions in an 11-day trial. It was a half a page of a final summation of 20 pages. And the appeals court overturned it on that and said the jury was poisoned, even though they admitted the award wasn't out of line. And that's supposed to be taken into consideration, too. Mm-hmm. Now, when the award's out of line is when they award $140 million. Mm-hmm. I won $1.83. Mm-hmm. So, look, the case is interesting uh, in and of its own right. The case is interesting because you've got two really big personalities that, that Americans know. You, Chris Kyle. So it gets a lot of attention. But actually, the most important part of the case is the appeal. Because then... The media companies came came into the case and against you yes, during wanting the appeal. it overturned. Why? They, because I won on defamation and what's called unjust enrichment, that they made money by defaming me, which they did. We proved in court. Do you know what Kyle's book sales was the day before he said what he said about me? Mm-hmm. Two thousand. Do you know what the book sales was? It came out in the courtroom. You know what it was a day later? 100,000. You it mean went when f- that controversy broke? Okay. In one day, it went from 2,000 to 102,000. Pre-sale was 2,000, and then he comes out with this revelation that he punched me out in a bar, mm-hmm. and it jumped 100,000. And Harper Collins went so far as they then continued it, they wanted it rolling. We got their emails where they say, this is hot, hot, hot. We got to, you know, ride this. Whoever expected. Even mm-hmm. they never expected. It was a niche book. 
It then soared to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, guess who the rocket, the booster rocket was that took it there? Mm -hmm. What he did to me. Right. And so, again, the media companies... They, wait, they even made it to where if you typed my name in on the Internet, it automatically went to the Kyle story. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, they don't have a right to do that with my name on the Internet. Jesse, look, I know you've gotten a ton of heat for it. Oh. Uh, okay, but it's here, you don't have to convince anybody because I know the guy's a notorious, notorious liar. Okay, I, there's, that book is riddled with lies. So uh, am I surprised that he made up a story about you, a guy who pretends to have shot people from the you. top of the Superdome? You, you, of course don't, you don't confront me in a hotel in New York and scream at me in front of me and all the public. You get that all the you, time now, right? Not all the time, but, some. but I get it. Now we come to the charity donations controversy. Some sources claimed Kyle's family had said all of his book proceeds were donated to veterans charities. However, Salon and National Review disputed the donation amount, asserting that around 2% or $52,000 went to the charities while Kyle's family received $3 million. Now we get into the fabrications of personal narratives. Apart from the story of his attack on Jesse Ventura, Kyle stated his involvement in a number of incidents which were unverifiable and which some sources have called into question, describing them as unlikely. First, we have the shooting looters in New Orleans. Kyle stated that during Hurricane Katrina, after hearing about the civilian strife in the area, he and another man drove to New Orleans to stop looters. With sniper rifles, they allegedly traveled to New Orleans and then positioned themselves advantage point on top of the city's Mercedes-Benz Superdome. There, Kyle claimed that they started shooting a number of armed residents or looters whom they identified as making trouble. Some reports stated that Kyle shot 30 with the other sniper, and others saying he shot 30 by himself. This was never verified, and there is no evidence of dozens of people being slain by a sniper or gunman, with commentators noting that it would be unlikely that 30 people would have been murdered without anyone noticing it or reporting it to the media or the police. Kyle's the story had been reported in a number of publications, including The New Yorker, with Kyle relating the story to other military personnel. According to Schmidl's 2013 article, when Schmidl tried to corroborate the story with SOCOM, he was told no seals from the West Coast were sent to New Orleans after Katrina. Kyle's officer told the writer he never heard that story, and another seal told him Kyle's story of murdering Americans on American soil defies the imagination. It's hard to argue with that. Next, we have the infamous gas station robbery story. Kyle also related a story of how he was robbed at a gas station in January of 2009, southwest of Dallas. During the robbery, Kyle told the two men he would return to his car to give them his keys. He picked up a gun and shot both robbers dead. Police allegedly let Kyle go because they were told by someone high up in the government what a valuable asset he was. The only reminder of the incident, says Kyle, was the occasional email he received from law enforcement thanking him for cleaning up the streets. However, there is no evidence the incident occurred. There was never any police reports or mention of the incident, and police contacted by journalists were completely unaware of the incident. The incident did not appear in the media, and a journalist visited all the service stations that could match the description, and none of them were aware of it happening. The medical examiner's office had no records of anyone being killed in the area at the time, and Kyle claimed there was security footage, and that when police officers approached him about the killings, he redirected them to the government, and so Kyle was never charged? 
There's also the fact that he embellished his records. In 2016, the Navy clarified the number of medals Carl was awarded during his military service. Carl had claimed in his book that he was awarded two silver stars and five bronze stars. Those numbers differed slightly from the Navy personnel form given to Carl when he left the Navy in 2009. The form says he received two silver star and six bronze star medals with V devices. At that time, the Navy also noted that his form given to Carl on his retirement was not accurate and he had actually been awarded one silver star and four bronze stars medals with V devices for Valor. The discrepancy raises new questions about Carl's credibility and highlights a continuing controversy in the SEAL community over members exaggerating or distorting their war records. In one high-profile controversy, two members of SEAL Team 6 engaged in a public dispute over who deserved credit for the fatal shots that killed Osama bin Laden. Within the military community, embellishing medals and achievements, so-called stolen valor, is considered a serious ethical violation. In 1996, Admiral Jeremy Border, who was then the highest-ranking uniform naval officer committed suicide after questions were raised about two valor pins known as devices he wore on his uniform for services during the Vietnam War. It was later determined that he was not authorized to wear the V devices. Carl's exploits in Iraq during the height of the war have taken on almost mythical proportions and many of his fellow soldiers regard his actions during his four deployments in Iraq as heroic. During the November 2004 American siege of Fallujah, for example, Carl saved an injured Marine's life by dragging him to safety while taking and returning fire down an alleyway. The 2004 incident resulted in a Bronze Star with Valor, one of three that Carl was awarded. That action was recommended by his commanding officers for a silver star, but it was denied by the Secretary of the Navy at the time. Carl was aware that the silver star was denied according to his autobiography and did not count it among the two silver stars he claimed to receive. He did not say in the book what either of those silver stars were for. Retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Robert Bateman, a military historian, said that public reports of stolen valor became more common in the decade after the Vietnam War. Bateman also said it was inexcusable that Kyle or any other veteran would inflate his record even if the veteran, like Kyle, had demonstrated clear heroism during his service. Resume inflation may be less of a scandal for civilians, Bateman said, but for those in the military, some elements are paid in blood. A retired SEAL officer said several of Kyle's commanding officers were aware that he had misrepresented how many decorations he had collected. The retired officer attended the ceremony for Kyle's single silver star, which was awarded to him for his 2006 deployment in Ramadi, Iraq. During 32 sniper overwatch missions, the citation reads, he personally accounted for 91 confirmed enemy fighters killed. When asked if he'd been aware of Carl's inaccurate accounting of his awards, Jocko Wilnick, one of Carl's former commanding officers, said, and I quote, Chris Carl, like many of the SEALs, soldiers, and Marines I had the honor to serve with, deserve much more than whatever ribbons and medals they received. End quote. Another former commanding officer, Leif Babin, I do apologize if I get that name wrong, declined to comment. Wilnick and Babin co-authored a book, Extreme Ownership, which details their time commanding SEALs in Iraq. It includes a section about Kyle's prowess as a sniper, but does not tell he his medals. Then we have the inflated number of confirmed kills of Chris Carl. Carl had also claimed a higher number of sniper kills in his service than the Navy has officially attributed to him. While Carl claims to have killed roughly 320 enemies as part of his service in Iraq, the Navy says he only killed 160. The Navy's numbers would be of confirmed kills, which are the only the kills that are able to be confirmed on the battlefield. Carl stated that the Navy's numbers varied time to time. 
Then there was the story about protesters called him a baby killer. In Kyle's book, he claims he saw war protesters carrying signs that said baby killer, which is a bunch of bull, according to Michael McCaffrey, who combed through American Sniper for inaccuracies. McCaffrey questions the story because, quote, that would also make not only the local news, but national news, and other vets would have reported the same thing on their own websites or chat rooms. None of that happened. End quote. Instead, McCaffrey alleges Kyle is repeating an urban myth from the Vietnam era. There's also the story about the time that he found chemical weapons in Iraq that came from France and Germany. Another allegation from McCaffrey centers on a short passage in Kyle's book in which he writes, We've found barrels of chemical material that was intended for use as biochemical weapons, and writing on the barrels showed that the chemicals came from France and Germany, end quote. McCaffrey writes that this story is a lie because there is no proof or evidence that this incident occurred. Now we get to the murder of Chris Carl. On February 2nd of 2013, Carl and his friend Chad Littlefield, 35, were shot and killed by Eddie Ray Routh at the Rough Creek Ranch Lodge Resort Shooting Ranch in Routh County, Texas. Both Carl and Littlefield were armed with 45 caliber M1911 style pistols when they were killed, but neither gun had been unholstered or fired and the safety catches were still on. Carl was killed with a 45 caliber pistol while Littlefield was shot with a 9mm Sig Sauer P226 MK. K25 Mod Zero pistol. Both guns belonged to Carl. Carl had begun working with veterans after leaving the military. Ruth's mother, who worked at the school that Carl's children attended, had heard of his work and asked him to help her son. He agreed to take Ruth to a shooting range, which Carl believed had therapeutic value. Ruth was a 25-year-old U.S. Marine Corps veteran from Lancaster, Texas. Carl and Littlefield had reportedly taken Ruth to the gun range in an effort to help him with his post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, which he suffered from his time in the military. Ruth had also been in and out of mental hospitals for at least two years, and had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, although he stated his motive did not involve any symptoms typically associated with a disability, such as hallucinations or delusions. On the way to the shooting range, Carl texted Littlefield, quote, this dude is straight up nuts, end quote, and Littlefield replied with, quote, watch my six, end quote, military slang meaning watch my back. Four months later, while he was in his jail cell, Ruth shared with former Erath County Sheriff's Deputy Gene Cole, quote, I was just riding in the back seat of the truck and no Nobody would talk to me. They were just taking me to the range, so I shot them. I feel bad about it, but they wouldn't talk to me. I'm sure they've forgiven me. End quote. Kyle had been shot six times, including a rapidly fatal bullet to the back that pierced his aorta and another to the jaw that caused a severe spinal cord injury. Littlefield was hit seven times, including four that would have been instantly fatal. One of the gunshot wounds was to the top of the head, indicating it was likely fired while Littlefield was already on the ground. Crime scene photos shown in court showed Kyle lying on the dirt in front of an elevated deck from which rifles were fired at yards of up to 1,000 yards away. Littlefield lay on the same deck nearby. After the killings, Ruth first went to Taco Bell and bought some burritos, then went to his sister's house in Midlothian and told her what he had done. His sister, Laura Blevins, called 911 and told the emergency operator, quote, They went out to a shooting range. Like, he's crazy. He's psychotic. End quote. After that, Ruth drove to his home and picked up his dog. Local police first distracted Ruth by speaking to him, where he spoke irrationally about hell, the end of the world, and voodoo. After Ruth drove away over a failed attempt to use spike strips, police captured Ruth after a short freeway chase, which ended when Ruth, who fled the scene in Kyle's Ford F-350 truck, crashed into a police cruiser in Lancaster. 
now we get into who Eddie Ray Ruth was. So, Eddie Ray Ruth was born on September 30th of 1987 in Lancaster, Texas, to Raymond and Jody Ruth. He had wanted to join the Marine Corps since he was 13 years old and did so after high school. He was deployed to a base near Baghdad in September of 2007, where he worked for six months as a prison guard and repaired weapons. In January of 2010, he was sent on a humanitarian mission to Haiti. He was honorably discharged from the Marine Corps in July of 2011 after serving for seven years. In late July of 2011, Ruth was diagnosed by clinicians at a veterans hospital as having post-traumatic stress disorder and was prescribed antipsychotics and antidepressants. He was experiencing auditory hallucinations and paranoia and had threatened suicide. VA clinicians believe Ruth's psychotic symptoms were caused by alcohol abuse and offered inpatient treatment. He denied and stopped taking his medication. Now we get to the trial and the murder of Chris Carl and his friend. Ruth was arraigned on February 2nd of 2013 on two counts of capital murder and was taken to the Erath County Jail for holding under a $3 million bond. His trial was set to begin on May 5th of 2014 but was delayed to allow more time to comply with DNA testing requirements. The trial began on February 11th of 2015. Ruth's attorneys argued that he was insane at the time of the murders. Forensic psychologist Randall Price, a witness for the prosecution, suspected Ruth was faking schizophrenia. He said that Ruth had actually had paranoid personality disorder exacerbated by drug use. He also testified that Ruth's psychotic symptoms could be attributed to drug and alcohol abuse. Another expert, Dr. Michael Arambula, sorry if I get that name wrong, testified he did not believe Ruth was schizophrenic and was not insane at the time of the murders because he was intoxicated. On February 24th of 2015, Ruth was found guilty of murdering Kyle and Littlefield. The jury returned the verdict after fewer than three hours of deliberations. The trial judge, Jason Cash, on immediately sentenced Ruth to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Ruth currently imprisoned at the Texas Department of Criminal Justice Ramsey Unit in Brazoria County, Texas. Now we get into the funerals of Chris Kyle and his friend. A memorial service was held for Kyle at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas on February 11th of 2013. He was buried on February 12th of 2013 at the Texas State Cemetery in Austin. After the funeral cortege journeyed from Midlothian to Austin more than 200 miles or 320 kilometers, hundreds of people, many waving American flags, lined into State 35 to view the procession and pay their final respects to Kyle. Littlefield's funeral was held on February 8th of 2013 at the first First Baptist Church of Midlothian, Texas. He was buried at Mount Zion Cemetery. Now we get into Chris Kyle's legacy. In August of 2013, Texas Governor Rick Perry signed Senate Bill 162, also known as the Chris Kyle Bill, to recognize military training in the issuance of occupational licenses. The bill had been co-sponsored by Republican Representatives Dan Flint of Van and Democratic Senator Litka Van de Pute of San Antonio. I'm sorry if I get that name wrong. The ceremony was attended by Kyle's widow, Taya. Sculptor Greg Mara created a memorial statue of Kyle for his presentation to his widow. Fundraising for production of the statue was provided by members of the Tea Party movement. In 2013, a Texas teacher, Dana Morris, attempted to get a section of Highway 75 through Dallas named after Chris Kyle, but was unsuccessful. In 2015, Morris made another attempt to get a road named after Chris Kyle and Chad Littlefield. During the 84th Texas legislative session, HB 1187 was introduced by Representative John Ray R. from Ellis County 
County due to the efforts of Dana Morris using grassroots efforts to show her students that they did have a voice in their government. The bill was co-sponsored by 53 Republican congressional leaders. Littlefield's name was removed from the original bill due to his widow's wishes. The bill was changed to only reflect Chris Carl's name. A twin bill, HB3, was put forth in the Senate by Senator Brian Birdwell in case HB1187 did not pass through the Texas House vote. On May 20th of 2015, HB1187 passed both the House and the Senate. The Chris Carl Memorial Highway Bill was signed into law by Governor Greg Abbott on June 3rd of 2015 in Dallas, Texas. Abbott said to Morris, quote, This was a great project for students and will leave a fundamental legacy in their learning about government, end quote. The law became official on September 1st of 2015. On February 16th of 2016, signs for the 11-mile stretch of Highway 287 through Midlothian, Texas were unveiled. A subsequent bill was passed in 2018 to name a plaza and road after Chris Kyle in the town he was raised, Midlothian, Texas. Clint Eastwood's film American Sniper came out in 2014 is based on Kyle's autobiography. Kyle is portrayed by Bradley Cooper and his wife Taya Kyle is portrayed by Sienna Miller. For his portrayal of Kyle, Cooper received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor and the film was nominated in five other categories including Best Picture. The film won the Academy Award for Best Sound Editing. On February 2nd of 2015, exactly two years after Kyle's murder, Texas Governor Greg Abbott declared the day Chris Kyle Day. A privately funded memorial for Kyle was built in Odessa, Texas, was unveiled on July 28th of 2016. It includes a plaza and a bronze statue. With that, this case remains open, but with many unanswered questions, it still remain unanswered. Please rate the show and let me know what you guys think about this and the many other cases I've covered. You can follow me on all major social media platforms, YouTube, BitChute, Dailymotion. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Links are all down below in the description. If you have a case you'd like me to have a look at or cover, don't hesitate to send me a message. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time. Next on Unanswered Questions. A Fabergé egg is a jeweled egg created by the jewellery firm House of Fabergé in St. Petersburg, Russia. As many as 69 were created, of which 57 survive today. 